evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Rich, as John said, and uh, I actually need to start off tonight with a confession. It's something that's been weighing heavily on my heart, and I need to get it off my chest. So the last time I was on stage was about, uh, about six weeks ago, and I mentioned that it was actually not long until my wedding anniversary that was coming up, um, and I actually said it was the, the following Friday, um, and so I made a bit of a joke, you know, kind of remind me to get the flowers and all that kind of stuff. And so I have a confession. Um, it's not what you're thinking. I didn't actually forget the big day, um, but it did turn out that actually our anniversary wasn't in fact the following Friday. It was actually the Thursday the following week. So not really my finest hour, um, but um, it's obviously very important to celebrate these kind of things. And, uh, and today we are, of course, celebrating Easter Sunday, which we celebrate with the traditional chocolate eggs and bunnies. And, uh, and I'm sure you don't need me to point out that that doesn't necessarily, necessarily have loads to do with the real meaning of Easter. But I did a bit of research, and interestingly, um, Easter is celebrated all around the world in a variety of ways, quite a few of which actually make what we do look quite relevant. So I thought you might like to hear um, a few of those things. So in, uh, in Colombia today, they will have been feasting on a delightful selection of turtle, iguana, and a thing called a capybara, which is the largest rodent in the world. And I think there's a picture coming up any second now. Yes. Not quite sure how many portions you get out one of those things, but it's quite a few, I suspect. So um, the next celebration takes place in France, and uh, over the whole of the Easter weekend, the church bells aren't rung as a sign of respect. And children are told that this is because the bells have gone off to see the Pope in Rome. And, and this is genuinely true, I found out on the internet, um, <laughs> so sort of true, but um, some children are encouraged to wait out on the lawn on Easter Monday and watch out for the bells flying back from Rome. So there's an artist's impression of what that might look like coming up there. And then, uh, last but not least, in the Czech Republic, they have a ritual they celebrate on Easter Monday where children will uh, strike each other around the legs with braided cords. Um, and this is supposed to bestow health and youth for the year to come. And it's actually a kind of popularity contest, uh, contest in that the more popular you are, the more strikes you're supposed to attract. Um, I thought I probably shouldn't get an image of that one. Didn't really think it was something I should be Googling. All of that might leave you wondering what it is that we're actually celebrating today. What is Easter Sunday really about? And the thing that we are celebrating as followers of Jesus today is the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And you might be thinking, okay, well, why is that something that's worth celebrating? What's so special about that? We believe that God came down to earth as a man in the form of Jesus Christ. And he did this because we were all in dire need of rescue. You see, we've all done things that we, knew, we know to be wrong. We've all um, done things that we're not proud of. And uh, these things are called sins. And sins separate us from the presence of God. Because God is a just God, there have to be consequences for our actions. And so, without Jesus, we stand condemned. There's a book in the Bible called Ephesians, and it puts it like this in chapter 2, and I think this is going to come up on the screen. It says, uh, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live 
when you follow the ways of this world. But because God loves us, he didn't leave us like that. He didn't leave us in that place. That's why Jesus came to earth. Because Jesus was the only person who lived a life without sin, without rebellion, he was able to take the punishment that we all deserve upon himself. And we've just had uh, Good Friday when we remember that Jesus suffered, he was tortured, and he died on a cross. He was crucified on our behalf. And as we've remembered, as we took the Lord's Supper, his body was broken and his blood poured out for each one of us. And through doing that, that sacrifice made a way for us to reconnect with God. He has cancelled out all the things that we've done wrong. And all of that would mean nothing if it wasn't for today, if it wasn't for Easter Sunday. Because today, we celebrate that after three days, after Jesus was dead and buried, on the third day, he rose again from the dead and is alive today. That resurrection proves the truth of what Jesus said, and it proves that he was who he said he was, the Son of God, whose power is greater than that of the grave. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is, is hugely significant. Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the early leaders of the church, um, wrote in uh, one of his letters, which appear in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, he wrote in chapter 15 that, without the resurrection, all of our hope is in vain. And we are of all peoples the ones to be most pitied. The resurrection also proves that Jesus has won the victory over death. We read in another book, in 1 John 25, that Jesus promised those who followed him eternal life. And the resurrection means that we can believe that promise. And so I've got three points today, and my first one is this. Easter is the best reason to celebrate that there is. And as followers of Jesus, we believe that the Easter message is the best news that anyone can ever hear. There was a, a guy who used to be in our small group who always wanted to talk about the resurrection. You know, whatever we were talking about, he always wanted to bring it back to that topic, which is a little bit inconvenient if you're trying to decide what to have for dinner. Um, but I think he was absolutely right, actually, that the resurrection is, is something that's worth talking about. It's, um, it's the central proof of our faith. You know, upon it stands or falls all that we hold to be true. And if you're going to have a topic that you're always talking about, the resurrection of Jesus is basically the best one that there is. We sang this evening, Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. That's the truth of what we're celebrating today. Jesus Christ has conquered the grave. The victory is complete. The power of death is rendered defeated. I thought it'd be good to, to take a moment to let the truth of what we're celebrating sink in. You know, whether you, you're familiar with that story and you've heard it countless times, or whether you're hearing it for the very first time, that's something that's worth reflecting on. You know, what does Easter mean for us today? So I thought, let's just take a moment and think about what does Easter mean for each one of us today? Easter is the best reason to celebrate that there is. We always have some, we have some friends who uh, always throw a party on Easter Sunday and they invite all their friends and family 
and, uh, and they have a champagne breakfast, which incidentally is, I think, better than a chocolate egg. I'd, I'd rather have a glass of champagne myself. Um, but they always spend a bit of time as well reminding everyone why they're celebrating. You know, if Easter is the best reason to celebrate that there is, then it's worth celebrating really well. And of course, the truth that we're celebrating today is an eternal truth. The victory that Jesus has won that we remember today is complete tomorrow just as much as it is today. And so my second point is that Easter means we can celebrate every day regardless of our circumstances. I think we can uh, often fall into the trap of uh, when our circumstances aren't going that well that we, um, we think that it's the circumstances that need to change before we can be happy and before we can enjoy life. So if we're not enjoying the present moment and we might start to think of things that are coming up that will make us happy, you know, maybe it's a holiday we've got that we're looking forward to or if we've got a deadline at work or at uni then uh, sort of getting past that deadline or it could be something bigger like if you're single finding that person and getting married and then you can be happy. And I'm sure if we, if we think about it, if we take a moment, we, we can all think of our own list very, very easily. And of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting any of those things. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to, to good things. But there'll always be more things to look forward to. And if we're constantly looking forward, then we can forget to enjoy the moment that we're in right now. And one thing that doesn't change, unlike our circumstances, is the eternal truth that we're celebrating today. The victory that Jesus won at Easter never changes. Now, I'm sure there'll be many people in this room today that are facing very difficult circumstances. And the last thing that I'm trying to do is belittle anything that you're going through. You may even have thought, you know, when that point came up that, you know, I don't know what you're going through. And of course, you're right. I have no idea what it is that you know, everyone in this room is facing, and I don't pretend to. But the message of Jesus doesn't ignore pain and suffering. I don't think you can fake it until you make it with this kind of joy, this kind of celebration that I'm talking about. Jesus doesn't want us to put on a a brave face and pretend to be something that we're not. Our sure and certain hope in the resurrection doesn't prevent us from experiencing grief and suffering. In fact, Jesus was very clear when he said, in this life, you will have trouble. But one of the things that really struck me when I started reading on this this topic of celebration is that celebration is considered a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are basically things that followers of Jesus are encouraged to practice and kind of weave into our daily lives. Celebration is something we have to practice. Celebration is something we have to choose. Celebration is a choice. A couple of years ago, uh, my wife Ruth was about 18 weeks pregnant and, uh, and she had a miscarriage. And obviously that was a really difficult time for us. And, uh, and not long after that happened, we went to see a film. And I can't remember what, even what film it is now, but it was one of those superhero films. And the thing that really sort of struck us was that all the main characters, whether they were goodies or baddies, had all been through something really traumatic. So one of them had lost their parents in a car accident. It was you know, that kind of thing. And then the thing that struck us was that all of them then were faced with a choice. You know, do I let like, the pain and bitterness that I'm feeling now define who I become? Do I become a supervillain? Or do I let something good come out of what, I, uh, what I've been through and become a superhero? 
I think that all of them had the choice and could have gone either way. And so I wonder for us today, who is it that we're wanting to become? Are we wanting to be supervillains or are we wanting to be superheroes? When we're faced with personal suffering, we have a choice. Do we press into God's comfort and purpose or not? The week after we lost the baby, I, I came to church and I stood at the back over there and, um, and I worshipped. And that's, that's not what you have to do. Um, my wife Ruth didn't come on that occasion and I didn't stay after the worship. But for me, it was what I felt I needed to do. It was my way of saying, God, in the middle of this, I choose you. And in the light of Easter, all the things that we suffer now are put in their right perspective. Yes, we experience pain and suffering now, but we have a hope of a future where God will make all these things right, where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. And I think perspective is is really important. I was talking to a friend here the other week whose son had been in a really nasty accident and it looked for a a while like he was going to die. Um, but thankfully, he recovered um, seemingly miraculously and is, rec- and is recovering really, really well. And, uh, and I was talking to her, and she was saying that it was her birthday coming up, and someone had said to her that it was a shame that she didn't really get to, she wouldn't be able to celebrate like she normally would um, because obviously he was still in hospital. And she said to me, Stuff my birthday, my son is alive. And I don't know um, what you think about why she said that, but I don't think it was because her birthday was less worthy of celebration or or less um, exciting for her. But I think the fact that she had so much more to be thankful for enabled her to put everything else in perspective. When we have the Easter perspective, when we remember that our present suffering will one day pass away, when we remember that Jesus' promise of eternal life is true for us today, it puts the challenges that we face in perspective and I wonder what some of the things that we're facing in this room need to be put back into perspective it's interesting to me that some of the most joyful people that I know have actually had very difficult lives I don't know if you've noticed that as well but I think part of the reason is because they've hit rock bottom because they've plumbed the depths of despair that they know the reality of what they're saved from They know what Easter means for them in a very real way. And over the last couple of years, we've we've had uh, several people come and speak here at church from places around the world where Christians are persecuted for their faith, you know, where it's common for Christians to be tortured and put in prison and even murdered. And these are guys that are living in that. They're people that, um, they're their loved ones that this is happening to. And yet the thing that struck me about each one of those people was that they just radiated joy. I don't know if you, if you were here and you thought the same thing. But it made me ask, you know, how are they able to be so joyful in the face of circumstances that are so much bleaker than anything that I face? I think that the desperation of their circumstances means that they have to choose God every day. They have to lean on him to get through each day. And that as they lean on God, as they cling to him, A natural outflowing of that is joy and celebration. Today, we can all celebrate that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is alive. 
we can have a sure and certain eternal hope in him. We can all have the Easter perspective. And Jesus said in, uh, in the Bible, in John 10, verse 10, that he came not just so that we could have life, but to have life to the full. The life that Jesus has bought for us at Easter is not just a future hope of eternal life, amazing as that is, but a life that we can live to the full here and now. Life as it was always meant to be. So my third and final point is that Easter means that we can celebrate right now. There's a great story that John Ortberg tells in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, which I really recommend if you haven't read it. It's a fantastic book. And he tells how he was in the middle of bathing his three children. He's got, and uh, his middle daughter uh, wouldn't sort of stay still. He was trying to dry her off, and she kept dancing around. She does this dance, uh, which is basically just an expression of joy. But he was getting quite irritated, and he was like, you know, come on, we need to get going, we need to get you uh, into bed. And she stopped and asked him why. Very innocent question, but it really just stopped him dead. And he thought about it, and he was like, actually, I don't have anywhere to be. I don't have anything to get to. Um, he was just so used to being busy and being in a rush that he just slipped into autopilot mode. And, um, and so, he, so he stopped what he was doing, and he stood up, and he danced for joy with his daughter. And I love that image, you know. I think if we're not careful, we can spend much of our lives waiting to live. You know, getting through this meeting, driving somewhere, looking forward to the weekend. How much of our lives do we spend on autopilot, waiting to live? For John Ortberg, busyness was the thing that was getting in the way of him really living. And I wonder, what is it for, he, for us here today? I learned a really interesting lesson about this, actually, as I was um, preparing this talk. There was um, an evening this week that I was working on the talk, and um, my wife, Ruth, wanted to have a bath. And we have a little son, Caleb, who's about five and a half months old, so, uh, and he was, up, he was asleep upstairs. So Ruth said, will you listen out for him, put the baby on to run? And, uh, and I said, yeah, that's fine. But I was kind of hoping that he would sleep through so that I could carry on getting my work done. And of course, literally the minute that Ruth gets in the bath, I hear a little, little mumble, it becomes a bit of a moan, and, and then he starts crying. So I went upstairs and I, and I picked him up and, uh, and I rocked him a bit and I sang him a worship song that I, that I often will sing to him. But if I'm really honest, what I was thinking was, how long do I have to hold him before I can get back to work? And that carried on for, I don't know, four or five minutes before the irony of what I was doing just hit me square in the face. You know, here I was writing this talk about um, celebrating and enjoying every moment and I couldn't even enjoy this moment with my son. I, uh, so I repented pretty hard, as I'm sure you can imagine, and I apologized to God for his terrible, for my terrible action, not his, uh, for my terrible attitude. <laughs> he had a great attitude. Um, I apologized to God, and then I said to Caleb, you know, enjoying this moment with you here and now is more important than getting my talk done. Sorry, if, uh, but that's true. And, uh, and God's grace is amazing, you know. I, after, the, after that, I was able to, to sing some more worship, and this time, I had genuine praise in my heart, and I encountered joy in an amazing way. So, I've said that um, Easter means that we can celebrate 
right now. So how do we start doing that? You know, what things are there that we can put into practice? I mentioned the Apostle Paul earlier on, um, and he wrote several letters which are part of our Bible. And one of these letters, Philippians, um, was written, which was written to the church in Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece. Um, and Bible scholars tell us that he wrote that with several purposes, but one of them was to um, encourage the church to rejoice in the face of persecution. And I think there's some really helpful stuff in what he said. So in, uh, in chapter 4, verses 4 of Philippians, he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verses 6 to 9, and I think this is going to come up on the screen now. Yeah, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And, um, and there's a few things in there that um, I think are helpful for us today, so I'm just going to pick them up. So in, um, in verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but that we are to present our requests to God. Anxiety and worry, by their very nature, rob us of joy. And we have to learn to trust the things that we worry about to God every day, and that's not easy. But the result of that will be, as verse 7 tells us, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. That's all I'm going to say on um, anxiety and worry, but you could do a whole evening on that. And in fact, uh, our senior pastor, John, did a a whole evening on that just uh, the week before last. And so if you didn't get the chance to listen to that talk, then I really encourage you to do so. Um, Paul then goes on in verse 8 to tell us whatever is true, whatever is noble, and he has a whole list of things. And he says, think on these things. And part of finding joy is focusing our thoughts on things that are helpful for us, you know, things that are joyful. It doesn't sound like rocket science. It sounds pretty obvious when you say it like that. But I think that this is one of the most fundamental truths that we need to grasp if we want to build celebration into our daily lives. I found that if I spend um, too much time thinking about things that are depressing or things that are bad for me, it generally tends to drag me down a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed the same. But if I do the opposite, if I... If I fill my mind with things that are good, if I look for the things in my day that I can be thankful for, then the problems that come my way seem a lot less important, you know, and I'm much less likely to let them ruin my day, much like that woman whose story I shared earlier on, whose son had been in the accident. There's, um, there's a beautiful song that we sometimes sing here, which is called How Great Thou Art. It's an old hymn, and it begins, Oh, Lord, my... I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, but it goes, Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works that your hands have made, 
And then it goes on to list some of the things that we see in creation, like stars and birds singing. And then the chorus begins, then sings my soul. You know, as we, as we fill our minds with the things of God, as we ponder on, on the wonder of his creation, our, our soul's natural response is to rejoice and for praise to bubble up within us. The song then goes on to say, and when I think that, that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, that on the cross my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin, then sings my soul. When we meditate on the message of Easter, when we really think about what it means for our lives, again, then joy and praise will flow from within us. And then finally in uh, verse nine, he says, whatever you've learned or or, uh, received or heard from me or seen in me, put those things into practice. And I think the final thing that we can learn from the passage is that um, joy is linked to obedience. You know, when we, when we know that we're consistently choosing things that are wrong, that are, are not of God for us, then that can rob us of joy. Whereas if we fill our lives with the things that he desires for us, when we're stepping out in faith, when we're living in line for his purposes, then I believe that joy is a natural byproduct of that kind of life. And I think as we, as we live lives that are full of joy, people will see that around us, they'll see the changes in us. I think singing and dancing are great ways to practice celebration. I know they come uh, more naturally to some people than others. But one of the things that has changed, one of the many things that's changed about our house since um, we've had Caleb is that we, we sing a lot more. Our house is a lot more full of music and dancing. And I personally feel a lot more joyful for it. A, um, about a year ago, I saw some friends who um, have a, a kind of one-year-old daughter, and uh, I went around to have dinner with them, and they, uh, she really likes the song uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. I imagine many of you will have heard it. That's a great song. And um, at some point in the evening, I'm still not really sure how this happened, but the three of us ended up dancing around the one-year-old to this song. And, uh, and when I say dancing, I don't mean like a little shoulder. We were properly going for it. And, um, and we've got some moves, so it was pretty... Um, it was pretty exciting. And uh, this one-year-old absolutely loved it. She had a great time, and it was a lot of fun. And um, I think we need more moments like that in our lives. I, I certainly do. And joyful people smile and laugh. You know, do you know it's been scientifically proven that smiling and laughter um, are things that are physically good for our bodies? Do you know, laughter can um, boost your immune system. It can increase your energy levels. And it can even diminish pain. We are designed for joy. One of the, um, the stereotypes of Christians is that we can be a bit boring and a bit stuffy and we can take ourselves too seriously. But I think the very opposite of that should be true. Jesus rejoiced so much in life that he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. We should be a people that are characterized by laughter and fun. And that kind of joy is infectious. You know, I, I remember when I, um, when I was a student nurse, I had a placement at the city hospital, and I used to have to cycle there. And we were doing 12-hour uh, shifts, and it was quite a long way, so I'd generally be cycling to work at about 6.30 in the morning. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm not really at my best at 6.30 in the morning. Maybe you can relate to that. You're all evening people after all. Um, and I used to pass this same guy cycling the other way every day, pretty much every day. And uh, this guy just had the most miserable look on his face. I don't know if he, he didn't like his job or whatever it was. His, his face um, just kind of, it just looked really, really down. And, um, and the first, time, first couple of times that I saw him, it actually really depressed me. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I know how you feel, mate. It's early, isn't it? And, um, but God really prompted me to not let that, you know, impact me and just to smile at him. And so um, every time I saw him, I just put on this big grin and I kind of nodded. And I didn't really say anything. I might have said hello. Um, but that was all I did. And, uh, and for the first few days, nothing. Like, just totally stone cold. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit silly now. Um, but I pushed on through. And slowly, ever so slowly, he started to soften. And he started to acknowledge me and give me eye contact. Um, and then, very, very slowly, the corner of his mouth started to turn up. Um, and I was on this placement for three months. And by the end of the three-month period, when he saw me coming, his eyes would light up, and he'd get this huge grin on his face. And I think that's the kind of people that God wants us to be, you know, people that spread joy wherever we go. If we've got the best reason to celebrate there is, then I think that means that we should be the party people, you know? We should be, we should be a people that are looking to celebrate at every opportunity. I think people uh, should look at us and see something different. They should see the joy of knowing that we are a saved people, rescued from death, set free to live life to the full. They should see Easter in us. I had the immense privilege of leading someone to the Lord just this Thursday gone. And uh, I was talking to him about what it was that he'd found attractive about this place. I'd only met him the week before. And I was just saying, you know, what is it? What, what did he find here? And he said that there's just something different about the people that he'd met here. There was something that he could see in them. I think he saw the joy of the Lord shining out of the people that he'd met. And as I finish, surely that's the kind of people that we want to be. You know, we all know people who uh, radiate joy wherever they go, whatever life throws at them. Don't you want to spend time with people like that? Don't you want to be people like that? I know I do. And I don't think those people are that way by accident. You know, uh, I'm sure it's true that some people are more naturally cheerful than others, but I think people that radiate this kind of godly joy have practiced celebration. They have woven it into their everyday lives. They have uh, woven the reality of what Easter means into their everyday. And so, um, just to sum up what I've said, my three points today are that Easter is the best reason to celebrate that there is. Easter means that we can celebrate every day, regardless of our circumstances. And Easter means that we can celebrate right now. Easter teaches us that we have a sure and certain hope of not just, not only life eternal, but life lived to the full here and now. And that is something that's most certainly worthy of celebration.